Yes. <laughs> you are listening to Index Foundation podcast. In February 2020, Index opened the exhibition I am healthy. I cannot write this letter myself by Ramesh Daha. The exhibition presented an immense project based on subjective and family approaches to history. In this case, the history of concentration camps and the remaining genealogical trauma. Right now, during corona times, at Kindle Art Center in Berlin, this work by Ramesh Daha is presented as part of the exhibition The Invented History. Now, ending 2020, this conversation between Ramesh Daha, Catherine Becker, artistic director at Kindle, and Martin Manan, director of Index Foundation, goes around archives and documents, humans and arts, emotions and politics, sensitive material and artistic positions, memory and places, exhibitions and publications. This podcast with Ramesh Daha and Catherine Becker is made with generous support by Goethe Institute in Sweden. So uh, here we are uh, with uh, Ramesh Daha, artist, and with Catherine Becker, the artistic director at Kindle Center for Contemporary Art in Berlin. And we're going to talk about history, we're going to talk about art, we're going to talk about exhibitions and publications. Probably the best way to do it would be to start talking with uh, Ramesh, because uh, this uh, conversation uh, is for you and with you, and it's also related to your family, let's say. Exactly. So first of all, thank you for your invitation, Marty. And um, it starts with my family, like I would say all my projects. Um, I have to say I come from Iran. Uh, my mother is Austrian, I'm born in Iran. In uh, 1978, we had to escape to Austria, to Vienna. So everything was different, it changed. So first of all, is I'm a daughter of a politician and a granddaughter of a politician. And when we came to Vienna, it was totally different because my grandparents were owner of a shop and my grandfather Austrian and also my grandmother. So we had to learn German. I had to learn how to um, how to pronounce my name like Ramesh Daha. So everything was like weird and I had to deal with many fascists. And it was 78. So Austria was pretty late to talk about the Second World War. So we were like blaming. They just blamed us for everything, just we there, especially kids. Um, so my interest for politics started very early when I was a kid and I, we came to a social democratic uh, country, which was amazing. I mean, I didn't really uh, enjoy Vienna at all because I didn't like the people and I didn't like German, but after many years uh, I, I was integrated and I found friends and I also accepted the language, I have to say. But um, my, my interest was also because my family, my Iranian family, they had to uh, emigrate to the States and to Canada. And so everything was different again. They, they started like my cousin, my cousins forgot the language, Farsi. And so we had to switch to English. 
Uh, so all that influenced me and all the stories influenced me. So um, my really big project, the last one before Sigmund Klein, what we want to talk about, was Unlimited History about Iran and the, the first revolution, uh, 1908, and until 1943, um, the Tehran Conference where Roosevelt, Churchill, and Stalin met to collaborate uh, and to... Um, to kick the Germans out of, of Iran, which is a, for me, a very important subject, the, the colonialism and where Germans have been and also how they influenced the country where I, I'm born and my grandparents lived. Uh, so that was, that was a start to see what did the German do in Iran and the collaborations with Reza Shah, the old Shah, and ending 1943. So in during working in this project, I talked a lot to my Austrian grandfather who never talked about his own history. And I, when I came to Vienna, I kind of grew up with my grandparents, my Austrian, Austrian grandparents, and they were teaching me also German. Uh, so it was a story of the Second World War. It was always sad. It was always about victims. So my grandmother lost her brothers, one in Stalingrad and the other one in Bel... I don't know anymore. I thought, I think in Belgium somewhere. So they never found out where he really died. Uh, and my grand-grandmothers, I knew both of them. One is the mother of my grandmother who lost her two sons. And the mother of my grandfather, of Leopold Klein, her name is Maria Klein, she was just always sad and grumpy and she absolutely never talked about the war and she never talked about her husband. So this uh, triggered me so much when I was a kid. So I kept on asking all the time, what happened to your dad? What happened, what happened to your husband? Um, a few years ago, when I visited my grandparents in their uh, Viennese apartment, I helped them again to do some uh, houseworks. And then I found this box and it was written mother, mutter, father, right? Mother, father. So I asked my grandfather if I can have it. It's like, no, because this is like the dark side of my family. And I don't want you to have it. And he got really upset about that. And he said, like, put it back. When I die, you can have it. Uh, so after, I don't know, about two or three years, they moved to their house in the countryside. And they were really old. And so they didn't want to come to Vienna anymore. And so I decided, of course, to save this box. And of course, curious what is inside. So who is my grandfather? What happened to him? What is it he doesn't want to talk about? So I took this box to my studio and it was so hard to not open it. And my grandfather, you know, he died in the age of 95. So it was for me impossible anymore to not open it. So I opened it and the moment when I saw what's inside, I wish that I haven't <laughs> done this because uh, I found all the letters of the concentration camps of his father. His name was Sigmund Klein. Uh, he was he was four years in three different kind in three different uh, concentration camps, and 
all this archive was just a pure nightmare for me. Uh, it was very chaotic. He just put everything somehow in with many photographs and postcards. And so what I did, first of all, I had to go through all this and sort it out so where it should go. And suddenly I realized I own an archive, so I don't need any rights to do something with it. So like a public archive should take my archive. So what should I do with it? And what is it about talking about Holocaust to be Austrian, which I am an Austrian now. I mean, I feel as I don't feel like an Iranian artist anymore. So I am Austrian. So being in this situation, owning this archive and have and doing some art project with it was such a pressure, but I knew I had to do it. So I sorted each and every letter and picture, image, um, documents, studied, and then I decided to work in blocks. I also found um, many tools of my grandfather because he kept his old tools. And when I asked him where these come from and said, this is, these are the tools of his father. So I found out his father was a tinsmith and these tools are just amazing. And I used them as I showed also at, at Index and also Kindle as art pieces. And I decided also to draw these tools as an index just again to sort them. So I did drawings, they're more aquarels. It's like a mixed media technique and small paper pieces. Um, and then I, I, I really needed and took me many years to work in two different books. And in one book, I did blueprints of all letters. So I had to learn them because when you do the writing, you're transferring into a new medium. But still, it was not enough for me because I thought I should read them. So I did a sound piece. And after listening to my own sound, I just was the first time that I really realized what is in. And then I suddenly could listen the lines between what happened. And I'm very thankful, Martin, for you, for our title of our show, uh, which is, um, which just says, I can't write this letter by myself. And this was the first letter that he really couldn't because he was tortured in Dachau, in the first concentration camp where he was deported in 1938 after the Um So, but owning this archive was not enough for me because in my practice is always researching in different archives to go from my own heritage, from my microcosmos to the big one, just to see where did all the money go? Because I found receipts of my grand-grandmother, Maria Klein, that she had to pay for the concentration camps. This was something I never learned at schools and I never heard before. So I did a for a few years, I researched in different concentration camp archives and also in the National Archive. And I was researching for the bookkeeping pages of these four years. And that was a very sad and very dark story that I, I of course, I, I did my research really well. 
And I could see that Sigmund Klein even had to pay for his own dentist. And we know what happened. They, they tortured them. It was not like helping these people. It was all about torturing. And they also had to buy their own... Uh, uh, I don't think they got cigarettes, even though when they were talking about, but they, they had to buy newspapers and whatever. So my grandmother, she was a dressmaker, very poor. They come from a 17th district in Vienna, which is a working class uh, district. And uh, she comes from a family of shoemaker and she was a dressmaker. And my grandfather, who I was really close and I can't even believe how he could not tell me all his stories. He was 15 when his father was deported and uh, he was working in the same company as his father. It was Julius Meindl and they, it, it, called, it is called Arisierung. So they had, they kicked out all Jewish um, worker and so also Sigmund Klein and also my grandfather. Uh, so all with my, so that was when I started to, to um, research about the bookkeeping pages, I also decided to write these in a book at the same uh, idea as I did the blueprints of the, of the letters. So this is why I have two art books with like very sad stories. And as I'm a painter and I always need to paint and painting is my main, my main uh, language and I'm a painter in my heart. So I needed to start to make like a big start, a fundament of my project with a triptychon, like three big paintings of the bird perspective of uh, the concentration camps. I also had the chance to show it in at Index and also at Kindle. Uh, I marked the the barracks where Sigmund Klein was captured. Uh, and the next painting part, I I decided to paint sixty small pieces of the postcards I found in this box. Really amazing, beautiful postcards and photographs of Sigmund Klein. Uh, until 1938, the year when he was deported and also his last image. Just to show the story that there was a life before the war and there was a life after the First World War in the time of the inflation. So this blog is really important, I think, to describe also the time in Vienna. And I have to say, uh, Sigmund Klein is a Czech Jewish activist, and this is why he was deported. I don't know what he did, but he did something. So this is something I never find out, I never figure it out. So we're talking about the painting, I described the tools, the drawing. Um, I did five big collages about 1942, um, with charcoal and painting and drawing and blueprints. Uh, yeah, I think, and the sound piece, I think it's it. Maybe I forgot something. It's such a huge project, so it just remember me. It's a huge project, it's true. It's uh, and in, in with many layers there's this emotional yeah. part, there's the historical part, there's the yeah, the family, 
And this is uh, something that is also connected with the exhibition that uh, it's at uh, Kindle, the invented history, uh, analyzing the critical way to deal with history. Uh, the exhibition is on, I think, till uh, February 2021. You never know now with Corona. <laughs> but I think it would be nice if if, uh, if you, Catherine, uh, talk a little bit about this this exhibition. Yeah, sure, with pleasure. Yeah, the exhibition currently is closed. We are we are we are facing something which is called lockdown light, which means uh, that museums are closed, shops and supermarkets and warehouses are open. Um, and um, yeah, so uh, the idea of the exhibition I really had already for a long time, you know, to do an exhibition with this title, The Invented History, that would uh, critically um, deal with um, aspects of historiography. And uh, for this exhibition that consists of uh, 12 uh, different positions, uh, uh, some Berlin-based, uh, a lot of uh, artists with a migratory background, some are non-Berliners, like uh, Ramesh, for example. Um, I, uh, I thought that uh, I also should give a variety how artists uh, deal with this aspect of critical uh, historiography. And uh, uh, an important, of course, uh, example within this uh, project is Ramesh's work. Uh, since she kind of, on the one hand, has a biographical approach, she approaches this, this theme through her own biography, but at the same time, she also connects it, uh, as you previously said, Ramesh, to the bigger picture, yeah, to the uh, uh, political incidents of a global or or um, bigger meaning, um, and um, uh, this was uh, uh, this was something that intrigued me. Also, the fact that in Ramesh's piece, uh, um, she is. Um, using all the different materials and I have the feeling she works them through, yeah? So she needs to read the letters, she needs to do uh, uh, blueprints, she needs to uh, make drawings of the instruments, she um, needs to do a sound piece. She, I mean, all these different media also in the previous project of Unlimited History that uh, deals with uh, um, the Iranian uh, part of Ramesh's uh, family. Um, I find that uh, very intriguing and in interesting. And um, I uh, uh, also was very interested when Ramesh talked about the sadness uh, of, of all this archive and all this uh, material, but that at the same time, she couldn't let it go or she couldn't kind of uh, not deal with it, that she had to deal with it. Um, so I see there a certain um, kind of uh, also emotional quality in the work that I hope also goes over to the viewer. And from what I can say about our visitors, there is, yes, indeed, a reaction to it. On the one hand, because indeed you find out things that also in German schools, though I heard a lot about the Holocaust uh, during my, uh, my time as a, as a kid uh, and at school, um, I never heard about the fact that you pay for dentists that, I mean, kind of break out your golden teeth. I mean, I, I never heard about that. And so it is a family, it is a real, a real story. It is not an abstract story with abstract numbers. It's kind of the fate of one single individual. And that's, uh, that's what, what excited me so much about the project. 
Yes, and I remember here at the Tindex as well that we had this workshop with uh, Southern University and Rebecca Cantor, and uh, we invited some of the students of philosophy to talk with Ramesh and to, to see the material, but also to, to answer to the letters. And it's a really difficult exercise, you know, to answer to a letter from someone that is now in death. And this letter is coming from a concentration camp. And I remember that one of the answers from the, from the participants saying, look, this is really, really difficult. But right now I know someone that has been at the concentration camp and I have a name and it's Sigmund Klein. So suddenly the, the emotional connection to history was there. It was devastating because we're talking about something that it's yeah, devastating. But, uh, but it was a good, and, and, and a good example to see how powerful the work by Ramesh is, that uh, it goes directly to, to this uh, subjectivity, uh, but talking about something that is extremely sensitive. Uh, Ramesh, how it is for you to work with all this uh, sensitive material? Um, as I said, it's like, it's, it's a nightmare. I mean, it's really hard. It was not that difficult to to paint um, the images before 1938 because I could still see, okay, everyone was kind of fine. But after that, the, the documents and the letters were, were really difficult. But I, I had the feeling I need to do it. And I really want to talk about it. I want to give a platform for something to talk as I, it was amazing to talk to the students in Stockholm to learn about the reactions and to see how are the students in, in Stockholm and how are they in, in Vienna or in Germany, wherever. So it's, it's also a matter about where you come from. And I think you have to talk, we have to talk about it. We have to talk about politics and we never ever should forget Holocaust. So that's why it's worth to go through all this as an artist. Yeah, because somehow to talk about the Holocaust or history is to talk about politics today. Today, exactly. And, today, and I, I really try hard in my work to, um, to, explain, to explain history in a very emotional way, but not through the image. It shouldn't show any dead body or something. It should just bring the audience to an atmosphere to feel it. So if you see the art piece, you know there is something going on, but it is possible, hopefully, to enjoy it. So this is, for me, really important to not be, you know, it's. I think it. it's more interesting for the audience to experience the artwork and to go through into the history it's like a story i'm a storyteller it's how yeah. i see it yeah and i remember this uh, situation when we had to index the documents the original ones yeah and it wasn't the same thing we needed your, no. your mediation we needed the artwork to, to talk about it because the yeah i don't exactly. know if, if they were too powerful or or what or where were we in relationship to these these objects but yeah you know we we are human we get used to documents yeah we got used to like sad stories in the television we, we can switch we can just forget it but for an but if you have an atmosphere of something if you hear something, you smell something, you see something, read something, it's totally different. 
So to have an original material, it's nasty. It's terrible to have a letter from the concentration camp. It went through Nazi fingers. You don't know where it went through. It's terrible. So this is why I really wanted the students to see what it is like. And how is it possible to find a language to transform it to something totally new? To be, that's why we did the publication. I'm so happy about it. So for each and everyone, it's possible now who is interested in my artwork to take it and to read the letters in form of a blueprint. And there is not one original insight from Sigmund Klein. Yeah. Katrin, mm -hmm. do you want to talk about uh, this, this emotional side, but also the fact that uh, with art, uh, we can talk about history on another way. And this, this thing that Ramesh was commenting on, on the, the, uh, the nasty side of documents. <laughs> well, I mean, of course, this, uh, the, the, uh, well, in Greek mythology, they say that memory is the mother of the muses. It has memory creates art. And um, I mean, this is so uh, from, uh, from uh, the very beginning of uh, our civilization. And um, I've, I find this, uh, you know, I mean, for example, as long as the name is not forgotten, the person is not forgotten. And now this name, Sigmund Klein, so to say, remains uh, and, and leaves a trace in, for example, the exhibition um, history of uh, Index or the exhibition history of Kindle and um, also of a, a lot, a lot, a lot of visitors and participants of workshops at Kindle. We also work with school kids uh, in, a, in a smaller age uh, a lot. And so uh, it is very, um, yeah, there is this um, emotional um, quality that I find um, is a way to open the door to a field where maybe today also there is a certain resistance in terms of dealing with it, dealing with the Holocaust, dealing with the, uh, the crimes of, of, of the Nazis uh, and where we even have uh, more and more people that deny the fact that there was a Holocaust, you know? And I find in this sense, this, uh, this way how Ramesh uh, approaches it uh, really very um, rich and uh, very, um, you know, it's also um, human how Ramesh deals with this material. The material is nasty, but the, the way how the material is treated is very human. And I think this speaks through the work and um, yeah, and and that's wonderful. Thank you. There's this thing also with the letters, and uh, and you were commenting the first ones, uh, Ramesh, the, that postcards that they were sending to each other, uh, Mitzi Klein and Sigmund Klein. Uh, there's this love side, and uh, she disappears in the second part because she, she was sending the letters to the concentration camp. The letters are not there anymore, so we can't reconstruct also her side of this uh, dialogue. But from the from the void yeah i mean as i say um we just have our fantasy too we don't know what happened to her at all so during but if you read the letters of him of sigmund klein you know what she did she was begging for money she really wanted him to get out and she failed she just failed because she was poor so and that's so sad so this, that's the atmosphere, what I need. I knew her, I have a face, I have a voice, 
because when I came to Austria, I got to know her. She didn't like anyone. She just liked me. I don't know why. I was talking to her in Farsi. I thought she's the only one who knows Farsi in Vienna. And she just said yes, and she liked me. So uh, I can't even say more about this woman. She was very silent. But I think she went really through a lot of pain, a lot of pain. And she did everything to get him out. This is something I, I can say for sure. He really wanted him to come out. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like this um, missing part, the white part in all this story really inspired me a lot. It's like taking out an archive. What happened to an archive if you add something and if you remove something? So this empty space gives like a big space for interpretation and for atmosphere. And so the space I try to fill with my work to understand. Even for myself, as Katrin said, um, this working hard on something, the human way, it's also for myself to understand it. And first, years ago, I thought I'm maybe not smart enough. So I started to write everything down in books <laughs> just for myself to read. Like, and then I thought like, yeah, sure, I'm not smart enough. But that's really cool because it says something. So I'm writing my own archive about everything what is interesting for me, about history, politics, whatever, like diaries. And this is still something what I do. It's going to be excellent to read all these books in the future, also <laughs> from oh you. <laughs> but it's it's it, it makes sense somehow. So I I have now with me this the, the unlimited history Sigmund Klein. This amazing book that you have uh, published now. It's more than three hundred fifty pages, and it's the uh, the whole collection of. Uh, paintings yeah. and documents and uh, and tools and the uh, index of tools so somehow the all the information it's available we have had uh, the two exhibitions so at kindle and, and at index and the project can be presented in uh, many other exhibitions of course but we also have now this this tool that it's a book yeah and we have also audio file so you can also listen my my voice if you want to so i'm reading all the letters of course in german and the book is also part of the show in Kindle, which yeah. I'm very happy about that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's also something that always intrigued me so much since I know uh, you, Ramesh, which is that, you know, now we had this big project about unlimited history about the Iranian part of the family. Now we have Sigmund Klein and how, I mean, in how many different ways Mm, your family is really part of this 20th century with all the political um, uh, incidents and all the, you, you know, you live now in the very center of Europe in Vienna and, and the connections go from Iran to USA and Canada and also back to Germany where uh, Sigmund Klein was killed actually. And uh, uh, so it, it, in your own life, all these kind of streams, historical and political streams, they combine and connect. And I find this uh, very intriguing and I'm really happy that you let us participate in that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I even found uh, many roots now, even in Brazil. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, 
my family story is really weird. It's, it's, uh, I really want to share it because I think it's interesting and it tells a lot about our situation now, also about Iran and Austria, Europe, mm-hmm. and how these countries went through all the world wars and the civil wars and whatever you want, like inflations. And uh, I think each and every family has this and kind of, if you go back to your roots and research a little bit about your own family and uh, maybe grand, grand, grandparents and what they did and where they, where they come from, there is always something to find in their own, their own uh, room, <laughs> their own house, their own family. Just if you are interested, I really would also love to help everyone to research about the family. The oral history is so beautiful, so wonderful. Listen to stories of people, to learn about it and to share it. So I also like to talk about other stories, not just about my own. The one thing I really want to talk about is about the responsibility of archives, how to deal with archives. And as I said, when you add something or you remove something, so researching is a very important part it's an obsession and it's it's very important before i start my production to be totally sure if things are right and uh and if there is something missing which is very important for the history and for um for the research part i even if it would take 10 years i would take this 10 years before i start with the production and i think we have to historian or artists intellectual whoever we have to deal very very uh, responsible with archive materials yes and at the same time the artistic practice is like and what you were mm, commenting before this idea of the void and the silence and how to feel this silence because there's information there as well so the archive is a part but then it's the activation of the archive and also the, the subjectivity in and within this activation it's like uh, I can see in your work this, this this big respect to the archive and the information and everything must be right. But then when everything is right is when you can construct a narrative that it's also responsible, that it, 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 it comes with a responsibility on telling the story that was there. And I think it's important yeah. to do it from the art world. No, absolutely. To, to be also authentic to, and very honest and emotional which is totally okay to say it's it's a nightmare and i have to go through this i mean i'm not telling my story in a show of course maybe you can feel it if not it's totally fine i don't want to be like this sad person which i'm not but for each and everyone it's a it's a nightmare to to think and to talk about holocaust and about victims or the Nazis in Germany, in Iran or whatever. I did so many other projects about book burning and spelling alphabet. My life project is uh, painting all the victims of 9-11. So every day I'm still painting uh, poetry. So the collective dying, the start of the war, uh, 9-11 for me was the start of a big war and I still believe in that. So to working on a monument or just to realizing the numbers, how many are 3,000. It's a number, but we don't realize it. When I give each and every um, number or name a face, it changed my own reality. So this is all about my own artwork and about my own reality to accept it. Mm. If not, it's too abstract. 
So I paint my archive. I paint my Iran into my studio. I can't go back to my home country. So I paint it. I paint the landscapes. I'm researching the coordinates. I'm always alone in my studio, but I'm never bored because there are so many things I want to paint for myself, to enjoy it and to accept it, who I am and what I want. So I hope I, I age another 200 years. I have so many ideas, you know? <laughs> Yeah, but it's that you are extremely, like, you work really hard, but it, everything makes sense. To paint landscapes, it's connected to, to the, the portraits of September 11, but also it's connected to the, the, how to deal with the archive. What's an archive? Where's the limit? I was thinking now in this, what you were commenting on, on the abstract level of it. I'm thinking that Kindle is in Berlin and you are showing there a, a project about uh, history. And Berlin is a place that it's slowed on a history level, more if we think about a Ramesh project with the Holocaust. How, how, how does it feel that this, this idea of abstraction of history when you walk and you see also some things that are really connected to this with the same history? Well, you know, on the one hand, yes, Berlin is a place, I mean, that is really loaded by history or, uh, yeah, with a, yeah it, it, it has a very uh, kind of changeful uh, history, that city also thinking about the division and the unification and the GDR and the federal government and so on and so on. But, uh, you know, um, I've, I think it's still um, important in this place to, um, first of all, uh, trigger memory, to trigger, uh, the, uh, uh, to trigger that people don't forget about the Holocaust uh, and many other aspects of our history. For example, I think uh, when, we, when we think about uh, German colonialism, I'm sure a, a big percentage of Germans would say, oh, we, we didn't have colonies. You know, it's a fact that is not talked about or that is even not taught in schools and so on. And now we see a younger generation that deals with the idea of, for example, decolonizing uh, Berlin, decolonizing Germany, things about restitution and so on, you know, but uh, fortunately we have this young generation, you know, and I, I want our visitors to really participate in these processes of uh, understanding really where we come from and who we are and why do, why do we all meet in this kind of not very pretty big city of Berlin, you know, um, I, I find it, uh, yeah, I find it a very important part. Also considering that Kindle is in a neighborhood um, with a lot of uh, Turkish and Arab um, immigration. Um, uh, of course, now it is also a district or a part of city that uh, kind of will go through gentrification. We already see it, but still, I mean, a big percentage uh, comes from a Muslim background and uh, uh, so let's talk about histories like Iranian history, but also let's talk about Jewish history. Let's talk about colonial history. Let's talk about Africa. Let's talk about all of us, you know. So this is the idea behind an exhibition like that. And the entire actually program that we opened in September dealt with various aspects of critical historiography. 
And suddenly, or not suddenly, but uh, probably then contemporary art is a good platform to talk about these things for, because we are talking about complexity and mixing many, many different uh, sources of information. And as uh, we work with something that is unstable as art, then the, the invitation to other people to be part of it, it's possible. This is why I think it's interesting to also note with you, Ramesh and Kathleen, to talk about history and writing and, and how and why we do it through art. Instead of doing, you know, proper history, let's say, <laughs> like to do it with an artistic practice. I think it's something extremely powerful there in this, this uh, subjective approach that it's uh, extremely transparent. Yeah. Yes, and that it has, um, um, I, I think, uh, so the, the, uh, the art, if I may say system or art institutions, I mean, they are very, um, uh, well, in a perfect world, they, they are very inclusive and they are based on uh, the feedback of the visitors and uh, on a connection between artist, uh, curator and spectator. And uh, this is, I think, uh, something that you only can find in, in the arts that you don't find necessarily in science um, um, or a kind of a more paper-based work, uh, I, I would say. And um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always happy to see that uh, we have a neighboring school, which is called the Bodin School. And I'm always happy to see those kind of maybe eight or nine or 10 year old uh, uh, kids that come over and see our shows and do workshops and work on it. I'm always happy because um, I, th I really think it opens minds, it opens perspectives, and also they bring their story in, you know, and uh, yeah, that's wonderful. I think it's also a tool we artists can use and curators can use us <laughs> to, trans to transport information to not each and everyone have to love art. It's just important to talk about history sometimes and to use art. And I feel, I feel also like a silent activist. Whatever I can do, I do. Even outside of my profession, just going to demonstration, talking there, working with activists and being always behind stuff, behind ideas. Um, also helping other artists and helping journalists finding stuff. So I don't see myself just as an artist. Um, I see myself also as not this activist what I would like to be, but a silent one works. <laughs> but probably it makes, it's connected, you know, because as an activist, we, we, if we think, okay, Ramesh Nahe, she's an activist, and your work is something that it's not a, uh, just a second it's something that will remain something that stays so it's a way to to continue with this activism not in the moment of the now but the future as well and then it makes sense to do this activism through art because uh, what you are producing is something that, that will stay forever let's it say. will stay we have the publications and we always can talk about it we don't have to talk always about my art. It's great to talk about Sigmund Klein, to talk about Dachau, Buchenwald, Ravensbrück, Holocaust, Reichsprognomnach, book burning, and all this. So, yeah, I think this makes sense for me. That's why I use it. I use my tool and my obsession. <laughs>